So hello and I want to welcome you to today's webinar. It's titled Leading with Respect, Standard Work for Frontline Leaders. I'm Mark Graven. I'm going to be your host and moderator today. And we're joined, we have uh, two presenters. I'll introduce them um, a little bit more fully in a minute, but they are Didier Rabino from Value Capture and Jen Ashley from Sutter Health. So thank you for joining us and thank you everyone for being here. Um, before I introduce them more fully, let's cover the logistics real quickly. If you could advance that, please. So we're going to be presenting for roughly uh, 40 minutes. Can you click that ahead, Didier? There we go. So we're going to have about 40 minutes of uh, presentation followed by 15 minutes of Q&A time. And we encourage you, instead of batching up the submission of questions until the end, please submit them at any time, um, single piece flow, if you will, using the Q&A panel. So please submit questions via Q&A uh, instead of chat. Um, we will um, do Q&A time at the end of the session. Yes, uh, we are being recorded today and you will receive an automated email tomorrow with a link to this recording and the slides. Um, this will be posted on the Kinexus YouTube channel and the audio will go into the podcast feed later today if you don't want to wait for that automated email. Because we do encourage you, please do share this with your colleagues. We're going to have a lot of great content today. And so with that, let me more formally introduce um, Didier and Jen. You see a little bit about each of them on screen. Um, so first off, Didier Rabino. He currently serves as a client advisor for Value Capture guiding healthcare organizations in their lean transformations. His prior responsibilities included eight years as a lean sensei for Health East and Fairview, eight years at Anderson Windows, where he led the development of the Anderson management system and also served as a plant manager. Didier also spent 13 years at Steelcase, where he started his career with various operations leadership responsibilities and supported the development of the Steelcase production system. And we're also joined today by Jen Ashley. She holds a bachelor's degree and is a care center site supervisor for practice design um, for Sutter Health. Um, she joined Sutter Valley Medical Foundation in 2008 and her Sutter career path started as a patient service representative. Then moved, she moved into a patient service coordinator role and is now leading a team on innovation for practice design and in-person patient flow. So welcome again to both of you, Didier and Jen. I will hand things over to you. All right, thank you. <clears throat> okay, so I'm gonna just talk a little bit about Sutter Health. Um, Sutter Health is a not-for-profit healthcare system and we're headquarters in Sacramento, California. And we strive to enhance the well-being of people in our communities we serve through our commitment to compassion and excellence in healthcare services. We were founded in 1921 in a response to a flu pandemic in 1918. Kind of sounds familiar. <laughs> um, and we're composed of hospitals, hundreds of clinics, thousands of physicians, clinicians, nurses, and employees. And our key results here at Sutter Health is that we deliver healthcare that is safe, personal, affordable, and accessible. So Value Capture, we are a trusted advisory group that uh, was founded in uh, 2005 under the, the helm of uh, Paul O'Neill. Um, and uh, um, our mission is to partner with uh, uh, healthcare organization, healthcare executives, in order to capture all of the uh, all of the value possible from the the patient, the staff, uh, and the community. Our vision is to create model sites uh, for healthcare, uh, and uh, we are still working hard at that so that we can inspire others um, to close the gap uh, um, on perfect care. Uh, our goal is to develop capabilities. Uh, creating culture of continuous improvement. And uh, we come from multiple backgrounds or so from uh, uh, different industries and, uh, uh, and, uh, and together we are trying to, to help uh, uh, the healthcare uh, uh, systems and healthcare organizations like uh, Sutter Health. Okay, so today's webinar, our learning objectives are gonna be going over explaining the frontline leader role and responsibilities. The intent of this webinar is not to show you a piece of paper, 
it's not going to go over a leader center work checklist. Um, the purpose of this is to define the processes and tools that you need to support the frontline center work. Um, we'll be going over what truly matters and what you're trying to achieve as leaders and how do you bring your team alongside you to meet your goals. So Jen and I uh, worked together for a year in uh, uh, near Sacramento and uh, we are going to present you. I'm really excited to, to be with Jen today again, even if we are a few thousand miles apart, but uh, we are going to present to you the, the concept and Jen will uh, present some of the, the ways the concept was applied. So the first note is understanding, okay, what is, as a frontline leader, what matters most? What is the most important thing? And really, the, if you simplify it, it's, it's to make frontline employees successful 100% of the time in doing both doing the work, executing the standardized work, and challenging their standardized work. So we have a part that is how do we support the frontline, leader, frontline employees so they are successful, and how do we support them to improve or challenge them to improve the work. So some of the um, uh, so where, where do we start? We start with uh, establishing the process standard work. So what is the best way to, to do the work? So we support the, the frontline employees to identify first the key processes, uh, those that are you know, the critical processes uh, for the to meet the customer needs, identify what, you know, how do we measure the outcomes of these processes uh, if we don't measure the outcomes, we, can, we don't know if they are met and, uh, uh, and, uh, and we have no way to, to improve or to know if the improvements are going to work. And uh, so to do that, we help uh, frontline employees um, designing their standardized work. So we, we call that the participative approach. Um, so how do they do the work? How do they design the work in order to achieve these outcomes considering safety, of course, um, but also quality is to learn and the efficiency in doing the work. So how many motions, how many, you know, the, the, the number of uh, uh, times that uh, uh, employees have to think about doing the work. So we simplify it. And after that, we teach this standardized work using some of the tools that Jen will present. Yeah. So like Didier was saying, the first step is to identify your key processes in your care center. Um, the purpose of um, identifying those and creating standard work for these items is a couple of reasons. One, you want your staff to know that they're doing the job right, correct or wrong. Um, and secondly, you want your customers, your patients to have the same quality and care and experience each time they come in. So once you identify your processes, then you identify what the expected outcomes you want. An example from my care centers is MA rooming. That is a key performance indicator that I have identified. Um, and you can see here on this slide, the top, top left corner, we're kind of at high level identified what is expected to come out of that. I'm looking for an agreement from my patient and my MA to come together to agree on what we're talking about and what's gonna be addressed today. We also expect that the vitals are collected. And we also expect that the MA is pulling and identified um, outstanding health maintenance items that's needed for the patient. Once you've established what you want out of the outcomes of these processes or jobs, then you create your standard work. And how we do that is we use a job instruction breakdown and it's broken up to three sections. The first is a high level, it's what's the important step? What is it? What are we doing? Then we break that step down to key points. What are the key points that are need to be done to complete that step? And then we go into the why. Why is it important to do it that way? What's the safety need? What's the quality need? What is the importance of handling it the way we have it addressed in the standard work? This helps break down the process for the staff when they're learning. So alongside with this tool, we use a teaching method called a job instruction method, and it breaks down each step. Um, the first step, you actually get your employee to understand why we're here, why we're learning this. We try to understand where they're at, where they, what they already know about the process, and we get them excited about to learn about this process. From there, we go over each step. We tell them the step, and we show them the step one by one. 
and we're continuing to repeat the key, key points to it. Um, from there, we then have the trainee do the job. They then teach the trainer and the trainer then creates any errors they may see as there. Um, and it's important that the trainee can explain each step of the process that, may, that identifies that they're understanding what they're learning. Then you let them on their own. Then you identify a help chain if they need help, or you, um, sorry, you identify the help chain they need if they need help. And then you also encourage questions. Questions are helping them understand, um, understand the process fully, and they can also teach it back. Um, and this is something that you do frequently and you constantly follow up with the, um, the employee. So Jen uh, presented you the method that we used to teach, but it's a pretty old method. It's, I think it, last, you know, it's, uh, it uh, started in 1943 when the, the War Commission uh, used it for uh, uh, prior to World War II. Uh, but it is still very effective uh, in healthcare. So the intent is to make sure that we've uh, taught. So we usually say that if a learner hasn't learned, it's because the teacher hasn't taught. And uh, so we train uh, the, uh, the number of employees that we need in order to fulfill the, the customer needs. Uh, but defining the standardized work and train and teaching the standardized work is not enough in order to guarantee that uh, the customer needs are going to be met. So we need to make sure that we enable uh, the standardized work to occur. So how do we do that? We need to validate that when we start the day, we have all of the, the necessary information, the tools, the equipment, uh, the material, the, you know, everything is uh, ready to be used and available in order to be able to uh, conduct or to, uh, to, uh, to do the standardized work and meet the customer needs. And uh, during the day, the frontline leader will uh, provide feedback, uh, reinforcing or corrective feedback. Uh, so the standardized work is just an hypothesis, and we want to validate if this hypothesis is continuously validated. Okay, so here we have a couple pictures here. Um, the bottom left-hand corner is a timetable, and this is a tool to help you with your training. It's to help you get organized and to have that follow-up. You identify your employees, and then the date you started training them, and then the follow-up. Are you following up the next day, then a week, a month? This helps you kind of get organized and have a cadence scheduled. And the goal of this is to have everyone know the, have the knowledge and skills to be successful in their job. From there, we go to the picture at the top left-hand corner, and that's a training metrics. And this is a tool to use to identify the capabilities that your staff have. So you'll know what level of uh, training or skills they have in each job. And this helps me as a leader. So if I were to have a call out and I have a gap now in my, my staffing, I know who I can pull to fill that gap, who has the capability to take on that role to fill it in for me. Um, then here at the, the last picture is a picture of my stand-up board. Every morning I pull together my team and this is the people doing the work, the, the MAs, the front desk, it, my leads, and also clinicians. Um, we come together and talk about our patient demand for the day. What does it look like? How are we going to win the day? So we're, not, we're identifying the customer demand. We're also identifying the equipment we need to meet that demand. And we also identify any barriers that we can foresee. Maybe we have something that's broken, that's not working. What's our current workaround? Are we pulling from another care center? How can we pull it early so we can continue flow? It's what we do um, as a team to prepare and make a plan for the day. So now that we have established the standardized work and enable people to do the work and uh, make sure that they have everything that they need in order to, to do this standardized work, we are going to have a frontline leader to support this standardized work during the day. And that uh, uh, means the frontline leader is going to confirm that the standardized work um, is, uh, um, is conducted, is done. No, we, we have, uh, we say, inspect what you expect and uh, people will respect what you expect. That's a nice tongue twister. Try to do that five times. 
uh, and uh, uh, and we use the help chain in real time in order to remove obstacles to standardize. So we need to, um, you know, um, expect the, the unexpected again because you know, there will be some issues. You know, all the, st the standardizer is not always going to be able to be followed because there will be an IT issue, because there will be a supply that is uh, not available, or there will be a situation that the standardizer doesn't cover. Uh, uh, something that is new and uh, the frontline leader is a first line of defense in order to support the people who uh, to do the standards, to follow the standards or the best practice. Yeah. So like what Didier was saying, we want to inspect what we expect so it's respected. I'm a true believer in that. If my leadership's not coming to look at something, I don't know if they value it. Do I truly need to follow it? And I don't understand why I have to do it, right? So I truly believe in that, that uh, slogan. <laughs> um, but one way you want to organize yourself as a leader is to have a cadence schedule to be confirming these standard of work. So confirming, auditing, same thing, right? You want to make sure that the confirmation's still up to date um, not the confirmation, the standard work is up to date. And we also may want to make sure that our staff have all the skills and the tools they need to follow that standard work. So a couple ways you can organize yourself. There's one um, on the top left-hand corner. It is a confirmation table. Here you can list your key performance indicators and then you identify for that month what days you're going to be confirming that. You have a schedule there. You have each um, the four weeks and then by day on there and you can identify by initials if it's going to be you, um, a lead or a high performer in your care center that's going to be helping with that confirmation. Um, again, you can set the cadence to be weekly, monthly, whatever you feel is the need. Another way you could organize yourself is I have a process observation calendar and that's the picture in the middle of the screen here. And this is what I currently use in my care center. Here it's uh, the month and there's pockets in there. And throughout the month, I have commission by cards assigned to a day and that's identifying what standard work I'll be confirming that day. And it tells me where to get the standard work and what care center, I have multiple care centers. Um, from there, I then, once I do the standard work, I come back and I put it red or green based on the outcome. But once I identified what standard work I'm going to be confirming, I then pull out my management tool here of standard work. So higher level of the steps of the standard work, um, as you can remember the previous slides, the standard work gets very detailed. Um, and that's very hard as a leader to be confirming, to be watching every step and employee in up and down on the form. So I like to use this tool because it breaks it down a high level each step that you're expecting to see. And then beside that, there's actually a map. It's a map of my exam room, and I can see where in the exam room that employee should be when they're um, completing that task. So there, I can quickly be going up and down and watching the employee. Once I'm done with the confirmation, I give real-time feedback to that employee. I let them know what went well, what barriers I saw, ask, um, ask them if they had any questions as well, and give that feedback. From there, I then bring it to back to my board and I actually have a process observation record and that's where I record red or green. What was the outcome of that? Were we able to follow it? Um, was this standard work up to date? Um, depending on how it goes, I then again identify red or green and the date I did the confirmation. Then I can see a trend of what's happening. After that, um, I then, if there's an action needed, if it's red, then identify the action um, and assign ownership. So identify what's needed, who will be doing it, and the date it should be done by. I'll let you know with COVID, there's been a lot of new um, guidelines and things like that that's been pushed for Setter. And I love this process because it's then I'm able to tie it back into my standard work. Many times I've been read the past few months is because I have not tied that in and gives me the opportunity to update that and then uh, make sure my staff has the correct tools and standards they need to be following. So the standardized work is not something that is static. You know, the conditions change. And, yep. uh, and by inspecting what we expect, we can uh, advise on uh, potential changes in order to keep, keep the standardized work actual. Um, 
so so Jen talked about supporting standards or by observing, by identifying potential gaps. And uh, what uh, we want to do is maintain the flow of the work. So we, we've learned what's, what we, uh, one of the things that we you know, care for is the employees, we want to make uh, the employee, the front employee, capable to do quality um, uh, outputs, provide quality output. And the role of a frontline leader is to maintain the flow. Uh, so we have a quality responsibility on the, uh, uh, the frontline employees and the flow, the responsibility for the quality of the flow is on the, on the frontline uh, leader. And very often this, we see these roles being in uh, reverse, which creates some issues. So maintain the flow of the world, what does it mean? So, so Jen mentioned you know, recording some problems on uh, what prevented uh, employees from uh, uh, doing the work. Uh, and uh, what we want to do is you no know, problems um, are uh, precious. We want to collect these problems and use every problem to um, uh, as an opportunity to uh, stabilize and uh, and improve the flow of the work, and also use in fact every problem as an opportunity to to learn how to solve problems. So we are going to identify uh, the causes that generated these problems. We want to identify the causes as soon as possible because information is perishable. Uh, the more time you, you know, the longer you wait, and the less um, effective your uh, your identification of the point of cause of the root cause will be uh, effective and therefore the countermeasures will not be as good as uh, uh, as you want them to be and you may solve the same problems every single day um, so so we want to identify the causes that generated the problems and uh, and we're going to use visual signals so that everybody can see them and visual metrics in order to identify if possible potential issues in real time uh, and before they become really problems. Um. Yeah. So like Didi was saying, so not only supporting the standard work, uh, we also need to be maintaining the flow of our work in real time. So an example in my care center, we also have, we have in-baskets. And um, this is a virtual in-basket where our patients are either calling our call center and sending messages in or using our My Health Online and sending messages in. So this is also customer demand. We have the face-to-face -face customer demand that's happening, and we also have the virtual customer de demand. And so we need to keep a pulse on that as well. We gotta be able to maintain that flow as well as a team. So one thing we have in our care centers is a visual board that we update frequently on the in-basket numbers. And it's broken down to providers, to the MA baskets, and to by individual folders. And here, anyone in our care center walking through will know for winning or losing. Where are we at? Do we need to change gears? Do we need to move people to work on different baskets? You don't see in this picture here, but next to this board, there's an established base on customer demand and staff. So with my leadership or without, it's very clear if we're in the red and what we need to do, how many staff or how many providers, if we need to adjust, need to move gears and help a, a certain folder out to bring the numbers down to be back in green. Um, here, it just keeps it, again, a pulse on it and we know what we're doing um, with our virtual patients and what the pulse look like. Another thing we do to collect in real time, this is a great example, um, it's very simple. I just get a flip chart and I post it on my care centers on the wall. So when there is a disruption that happens, anyone, again, staff or providers or leadership that visually sees it happens or experiences that it happens can then go write down the problem and the cause. We want to get the details of the cause in real time so we don't forget everything. Um, and it's important to capture it. So again, these are just on the walls and you can just grab a pen and jot that down. You don't have to have a solution. We really just want you to speak up about problems because problems make us better and they help us grow. And so with that, we encourage staff and providers to talk about and bring it up and have a tool to express and talk about it. So, you know, I'd like to go back to the clinician in basket, Jen, but, uh, you know, this is kind of interesting because we have some information that is in our uh, uh, system, uh, IT system, uh, but you have someone who is writing this information on a visual board. So I yeah. said, well, that is waste. However, yeah. what we did, what we noticed when we, um, at the beginning, when we were trying to identify are we in flow or not in flow, 
we will ask the people working on the in-basket, so are you on track or not on track? And some people with uh, 10 messages will say, oh, I'm on track. And other people with 200 messages say, oh, yes, I am on track. So mm -hmm. there was no really, okay, what is what is expected? And what is, uh, you know, uh, and also it's, uh, there was a situation, you know, there were situations say, well, people hesitate asking for help. Yes. And we made this very transparent say, hey, no, this is when we are at this level, this is the help is going to come. So you don't even have to ask for help. The board right. is going to tell us that you need help and we're going to help you. Correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, so, so we have, uh, uh, we maintain the flow, we identify problems and we want to uh, treat problems again as, uh, uh, as a way to solidify our processes. Uh, so uh, at the end of the day, what we'll be doing, uh, at the, the beginning of the day, we made sure that we had everything ready in order to win the day. Uh, so it was a bit of a, a planning session. At the end of the day, we're going to check and reflect. So we're going to use a stand-down meeting in order to review with the team the problems that we encounter during the day. Because not everybody can see the problems, so we are going to share, but they, you know, other people may have experienced the same problems. And we're going to engage the team members to analyze uh, the reasons for these problems and maybe engage some of the teams or some of the team members to, to get down to the root cause analysis if that has not been done already and uh, uh, implement or at least test uh, uh, hypotheses or, or kind of measures and validate their effectiveness. So beginning of the day, we plan for the day, we run the day during the day, and at the end of the day, we're going to do a check and adjust. So what? why are we doing that in this situation at the end of the day? Because we, we tend to forget things. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, we have a fresh information and you can see a lot of engagement from the team to say, okay, hey, these are the points that I had today or this is what prevented me from doing my work Let's talk about that. What could we do? Right. Yeah, like what Didi was talking about, we do a stand down each day to reflect of what worked and what didn't. And it's very important to have everyone on the team together. You're having your MAs, your front desk, leadership, and your clinicians um, there as a team. First thing you do is establish professional safety. You want everyone to feel comfortable to talk, talk about their experiences. We're talking about the processes and not the people. Um, and everyone needs to have a voice. This, you know, we work as a team. We can't do the job without one another. So it's really important to establish that professional safety each time. From there, we then go over, I review the standard work confirmation I did that day. So earlier in the day, I did it with that one individual employee and then I bring it to the whole team and we talk about it and we can all learn from it. And then after that, I then will review, we'll reflect on the day, what worked and what didn't. Um, we will talk about what barriers we may have had and maybe quick think of some quick fixes. We'll also then review the flip charts that we have posted in the care center. And depending on the magnitude of the problem, we will then assign ownership to take it offline and with my coaching we will get to the root of the problem and come up with a countermeasurement to experiment with or it might be just a quick fix it might be something that we want to do a quick change start it tomorrow let's experiment and see what the outcome is so it just varies so we talked about problems there are also opportunities so the difference between a problem is an opportunity and an opportunity is a problem is you want to go back to the standard and the opportunity is we want to raise the standard so make the standard work more effective, easier to learn, um, provide a, a, a higher sense of safety, uh, better quality, etc. Or maybe adapt to new situations. So we're going to engage the employees in order to, uh, uh, to challenge their uh, standardized work. We're going to support the employees in experimenting and implementing ideas, um, hypotheses, and we are going to recognize uh, the efforts um, and, uh, and we will share with uh, other teams and uh, spread the success. And here we close the loop of, uh, from uh, looking at uh, helping, supporting people to do their work and challenging them to improve their work. Yeah. yeah. So 
after I've identified an owner to take on a problem to get to the root, I will help coach them through that. And these are some of the tools that we use. The first one is the top left-hand corner. It's a simplified A3. It's broken down into four quadrants. Um, it's to help us get to the root of the problem. And it's broken down to defining the concern, the problem, the cause of the problem, the five whys, kind of get to the bottom of it. And then coming up with countermeasurements that we want to take on. And then on there, we have a checklist. We identify what actions need to be done and define ownership and um, due dates for that. And this sheet here lives on our wall. It's visible. Um, anyone coming to the Concare Center can come through and see what problems that we're currently working on and what the status is. So it moves throughout these different sections of the wall from when we pull, pull a sheet, we identify the date and, um, and the problem, and then we're either working on it in the care center or we maybe escalated it. There's times that we need to escalate and cross over because we have to pull other resources or expertise that maybe it's um, pulling from, such as maybe another department or a specialty that we need to help to help us get to the root. Um, so again, these are displayed on the wall here, and then when it's closed, it's moved into a folder there. From there, it then goes to a system to share. So as items are closed and we've done experiments and they worked, we want to share, right? We don't want to have people to do the same work again and do that rework. So we use a system to share, and it's very basic. We just use a um, Excel spreadsheet, simple. But what we like about this is that everyone has access to this in the organization. So we identify the problem and the countermeasure that worked and we share standard work or pictures, whatever we need to do. So when leaderships go in there, for instance, for myself, I will go in there daily and see what's happened the past 24 hours in my organization, see what problems came up and what solutions worked. And then if that's something that I have in my care center, I can then just pull that into my care center, those learnings and share and spread. It's a quick way to spread learnings throughout the organization. Um, from there, the last picture I have here is our book of knowledge. And this captures all our little A3s that we have completed. It's kind of a book of honor for our care team. So we can show new staff coming through so they understand the culture in our care centers and how we work our problems and also visitors that come through as well. It's a great way to kind of look back and see the growth we've done all together as well. Yeah, it's a little bit ceremonial when you put, you know, your completed uh, four quadrant into the book. You know, you have a sense of accomplishment and, uh, you know, the, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know the, the Excel spreadsheet is not as visible. It's good to spread across sites that are not, you know, uh, uh, next to you. But the, for the team seeing, okay, this is what we've done, this is what we have done in order to improve our work, that's, that is you know, pretty good. Um, so uh, this is the end of, uh, of uh, uh, our presentation in terms of uh, uh, how do we lead with respect using frontline leader standard work. Uh, Jen and I and many other people work together um, uh, um, to improve uh, uh, primary care. Uh, in uh, Auburn, uh, California. Uh, you can know there's a possibility to learn more about the, the work that we've done uh, by uh, uh, downloading a, a white paper that we uh, um, uh, did together at, uh, uh, on the Value Capture website. So, so if you are, you are welcome to, uh, to download this, uh, this document and, uh, and it's more than, a lot more than frontline um, uh, uh, standardized work. Uh, it's uh, how do we drive for uh, zero uh, in terms of uh, safety uh, issues, uh, quality issues, and zero wait time, etc. So, how do we drive toward the the, uh, the theoretical limits of a true north? Uh, if you have uh, more questions, um, you can uh, uh, email us. So, there is an email address, or you can visit us at uh, uh, valuecapturellc.com. Uh, um, all right. Thank you, Didier and Jen. And if, if you can go back um, briefly, Didier, I want to make sure everyone sees that there's uh, a white paper that's available as a free download at valuecapturellc.com slash Sutter. So a few other announcements before we get into Q&A, and I'm glad we have a lot of time. Nobody ever complains that there was too much Q&A, so I'm glad <laughs> we can take advantage of that here. Um, I want to let you know about a special offer. So one project I've been involved in 
with Value Capture is the publication recently of um, this book. It's called A Playbook for Habitual Excellence. Um, it's been available as a free PDF, but it's also available through the Kindle store. And this week through Friday the 18th, it is free through the Kindle store. So those of you who read Kindle books, you get the, um, it, you know, the ease of it downloading um, directly to your app or your device. So I'd encourage you, um, not now, but right after the webinar, um, go to Amazon. You can go to valuecapturellc.com slash playbook. There is a lot of wisdom from uh, some collected speeches of uh, the late Paul O'Neill that I think you'll find to be very interesting, very, very inspiring. So I want to make sure you know about that. Um, our upcoming webinars, if you are a Kinexus customer, our next training team office hours is being held September 24th with Adam Darnell and Matt Banna. And then our next um, webinar is actually going to be a panel discussion. This is open to everybody. So we hope you will register for this. Um, we're gonna have a panel discussion called How Lean and CI Help You Get More Nimble and Adaptive in a Pandemic and Beyond. So we're gonna be joined He's uh, wearing a mask in the photo there, but Dr. Greg Jacobson, our CEO here at Kinexus, Skip Stewart, uh, Dr. John Toussaint, and I'll be moderating that panel. So you can register um, right after this session by going to kinexus.com slash webinars. If this is the first time you're joining us on a Kinexus webinar, you can access our entire uh, webinar on-demand library. That's all free. You can find that um, at kinexus.com slash webinars at, as well. Uh, we have a blog at blog.kinexus.com. And I also want to tell you about our podcast. And uh, the audio from today's webinar is there, in, will be there in the podcast feed. You can learn more at kinexus.com slash podcast. You can subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, um, we ask you, please subscribe and, and rate and review. That would really help us out a lot. The Connexus Continuous Improvement Podcast. And so with that, here is um, everybody's contact info. Um, and we have um, questions. So can you, can you first elaborate a little bit? You mentioned the phrase point of cause. Can you um, talk a little bit more about what you mean by point of cause and then what the root cause is? Yes, so the point of cause is that, uh, no. in fact, before doing a five-wire analysis, you know, to identify the root cause, you need to know where or when the problem uh, occurred. So, because very often uh, the problem discovery is uh, further downstream than uh, the where the problem was created. So, we want to first identify where or when the problem happened in the process. So, what is the point of cause? And from there, when we identify where the problem was created, we can draw it down to the 5Y. So let's not jump to the 5Y as soon as we see a problem. We need to understand first where it originated. Um, Jen, anything you want to add about that from your experience of, of you know, getting better at understanding uh, the point of cause as you do problem solving? Yeah. Um, you know, as a leader, I've had you know, many people come up to you and tell you problems. <laughs> And it's very generalized and it's very hard to get to root of a problem if it's very generalized. So what I like to tell my staff, when this happens next, you need to tell me right then, pull me and let's get to the root of that individual problem. Um, because you, it could take you to so many different levels and it gets so big sometimes. So if you really get specific to what the problem is in real time and you know what really happened, maybe your environment or the the an employee involved, it could help you break down to the actual root, um, and it could solve that one, and maybe not have to ever happen again. Or if it happens again, then you know there's another avenue. But there's just such a importance to be very specific about the problem and catching it in real time. Yeah. Thanks. Um, a question here talking about. Um, Gemba time, is the standard really 100% or is it whatever is required to ensure 100% success? So I think just adding on to that, um, and, you know, how, how do you decide how much time is sufficient out in the workplace as a leader? Hmm. You know, it, it really does depend on my day, but I do try to 
actually strive to be mobile. Um, something new I am starting with my lead is actually getting mobile carts with our computers and just be in the middle of the gimba, be in the middle of your care center, helping and being supportive and hearing what's going on and jumping in when needed. Can that happen all the time? No, and that's fine. But you have support. You have your your lead or maybe a high performer, someone that could help, you know, be a substitute when you're not currently in there. Um, again, I have multiple care centers, so I can't be in all three of them, but I definitely strive to be in person um, as much as I can. And that's all you can ask, really. The purpose is to have someone, because things are going, I'm no. Plants are never, you know, going to be. You are never going to have a day with uh, where the standardized work is going to be executed perfectly every single at every single cycle for everybody. So, what is the response mechanism? What is the the help chain uh, that will support the employee who is trying to follow the standardized work? That's that's the key. Uh, in um, I would say uh, the extreme will be when uh, when you look at uh, progressive line. Uh, I know some progressive lines where uh, signals are answered within two to three seconds. Uh, that is when you have very small, you know, very short pack time of you know, around 15, 20 seconds. So you cannot miss, you know, you cannot wait for five hours in order to have a response. We cannot even wait for minutes. Uh, so here it's okay. How fast can we, do we want to be when a problem is going to happen? And what is the support mechanism that we need to put in place? So the, the employee is supported. Because what matters is the work to be done and what is the infrastructure that we put in place to guarantee that the value is going to be provided uh, following safety, quality, uh, et cetera. Another question here, um, Jen, do you maintain the visuals or is that part of your standard work to make sure that they're maintained? Um, the visuals, of, like thinking of the in basket, I'm guessing that type of stuff, those? Um, maybe Thomas of. can follow up with okay. if there was a specific, but yeah, I mean, I think of the different think, boards and tracking okay. sheets that you shared. Yeah, so, I mean, let's talk about that. So we can talk about the confirmation tables and also the actions that are needed after that. Yes, whoever is, um, so it's myself and my lead right now that are, responsible to do those confirmations of the standard work. And then we come back onto that board and document what the outcome was. Was it red or green and what the outcome is now, depending on what the action is, it could be something I take on or my lead, or it could be someone else. It could be a high performer that I give that action to. It really, it's really open to what the task is. And so I do maintain that part with my lead as my assist helping me with that. Um, the other visual boards that we're talking about, um, the stand up, stand downs, and also the in baskets, that is a team approach. Um, I do expect that staff can come in and plug in either their, their customer demand for that provider, they're kind of task that for themselves. Um, if you, someone's putting a ticket in for a equipment, they're the one going on the board and updating the board. So there is that ownership that everyone has their part to put in there. Um, and then we also sign for InBasket. Right now it's not automatic or electronic. So unfortunately we are manually putting that up there. So that is someone assigned to that. I do help support with that a lot, but um, at the same time, I can also assign people depending on what my staff is, <laughs> what my staff ratio is. Yeah. But yeah. So we have a couple questions about the stand down times. One is um, how long is that and how often? I think I heard daily, but wanted to confirm. Yeah, definitely daily. We want to reflect and I encourage my staff if there's times I'm in meetings with or without me, it's important to talk about that day. And so daily, and you really want to make it quick. You don't, I strive for five minutes sometimes it's about 10, five to 10 minutes is where I want to have the max. And I put a timer on there to be aware of the time. So we set a timer, let that go off. So we're aware of the time. It's really not a time to problem solve. It's really to do some reflection and then take things offline if we need to set the team to look at it further. So that's the hard part. You really need to, to steer your team because they want to go talk about solutions and take it off into this whole process 
on you know digging deep at that time and that's just not the time to do it the people that are very involved with it i pull off site and i make time to work with them out of that stand down to get to the prop um, get to the root of it yeah and and didier do you have anything to to add on that or you know the general question about how long huddles or stand-ups or stand downs should be yeah, I think you know, Jen answered perfectly. What is also interesting is that maybe the dynamic uh, aspect of a, of a board that you know the standard. Uh, you know, it's not on day one that your standard and your visuals are going to be perfect. In fact, they will never be. Uh, so that's maybe something to to think about. We start by okay, what is going to be? What is the purpose? So we are not doing some. Uh, uh, um, market shopping of uh, shopping of uh, best boards in the area and uh, and try to copy them we we try to really understand what what does the team need in order to be successful and what does the team need to know in order to to reflect and and adjust uh, so that that we we lead with purpose and uh, and after it's a uh, you can see that like tom uh, tom mentioned it's everything is handwritten because it's dynamic and you want to make the you want to also give this perception that it's it's always a draft it's a, an evolving draft so there's a psychological aspect uh, to it it could be you know a nice is different than good what we are trying to have is not a good board a nice board it's a good board a, an effective board right i'm going to add something on there too sorry the importance of having stand downs and your stand ups every day it's that consensus consistency so I just can't strive, especially when you're starting to learn this and bring your team aboard. You have to bring that consistency. You have to repeat that, you know, professional safety and establishing that. And if the more you do that, the more routine and comfortable people feel to share or talk about their experiences. So I strongly, strongly say daily is very important. Um, definitely to bring that culture around and to where people can talk about problems and come up with solutions and work together. Yeah. So speaking of solutions and working together, there's another question here that asks and, and ballpark answers might be the best answer for this, but what percentage of improvement comes from the stand down reflections versus other sources, times when people just identify opportunities for improvement? Might be hard to answer. Yeah, I don't know. Because um, maybe it asked a different way. I mean, there are, I mean, the stand down meeting is not the only time or venue or mechanism for generating ideas. Correct. Yeah, we're not, we're not pulling idea, a lot of ideas during the stand down. Um, it's very little those quick fixes or changes. I mean, it may be that we implemented an experiment for that day and we want to do a little adjustment and we can talk about that, the stand down. A big majority is taking outside of that. Um, so I I would say about 90%, we're, we're trying to take it outside of that stand down. I want to be respectful or even maybe higher than that. Um, respectful of the time. Um, we're doing this at the end of the day, yet we're still doing patient care. So it's very important that we respect that, respect everyone's time. And also we still have our patient demand coming through and trying to end our day. So that's that's key. That is key. The, the, if I may add, uh, at the end of the day, what we are trying to have is the, the feedback of a process, especially the um, you know, some of the metrics that the the individual team members may not see. So, for example, what is you know, what was the uh, um, uh, the wait time for the patients? So we can look at our the performance of the process. Uh, how many you know? Uh, uh, what was our performance in terms of uh, satisfying the health maintenance? Uh, what is so the team can reflect or say, hey, we had this issue. So we are looking at the outcome of the processes uh, rather than catching the, the problems during the day. So so it's a it's a different type of problems that we'll be looking at at the end of the day. At the end of the day, we're going to say, hey, did we win? And if we, if we didn't win on all of, uh, all of the areas, what was, you know, what prevented us from, from winning and what can we do next day or uh, next week in order to be, do a better job at planning or a better job at executing? There's a couple of questions I'm going to sort of stitch together here. Um, do you perform the 5Y root cause process within the stand downs 
And do you schedule specific times for problem solving during the day? Yeah, it's not done in the stand downs. Again, that takes some time. And sometimes you need to go investigate the actual area or where the incident happened. So it's scheduled time. And that's something I usually work with that employee about what's a good time on their schedule that we can meet or pull people together, um, get coverage, whatever is needed. Um, sometimes they're even done in between patients. It just kind of depends on where we can fit it in, but it is not a time during the stand down. Um, another question here uh, for Jen, how long did it take you to establish the system to the point that it works? Hmm. And I guess works, that's always, uh, I mean, it depends on what you mean by works, works well enough. It's not perfect right. as you've emphasized and that's fine, but how long did it take to get this up and running? Oh my goodness, months. <laughs> it takes a long time. It's definitely change management involved. I definitely had staff, clinicians not understanding why we're doing this, what's the importance of this. Um, and so again, it's that consistency and I would say weeks, months. Um, I mean, I would say a good month or two of being consistent with the st um, stand downs and stand ups, but then people start seeing the value pretty fast. Um, it's just them coming. That's my hard part. <laughs> Sometimes I've seen, you know, what squeeze in their schedule because I'm not blocking schedules for this. So it's, it's having them come in the moment at that time and um, bringing everything together. So I think that's the hard part is bringing people to the board at times. But once they're there, and they're seeing that things are being moved and evolving, then they see the value. Um, I've I've had clinicians even ask, why do we have department meetings when we go into conference room when all our information's here on the board, you know, we're already doing it. So that was what's really exciting. We were able to do things in real time and they don't see that importance of that once a month meeting in a conference room without all this information, um, we're solving problems in real time now. So it, it took some time, but I would just say the consistency and, um, Using recognition is what helps you. So there's, um, you're talking about recognition, maybe this ties into um, a different question. How do you maintain enthusiasm within the team to continue committing to attending meetings, stand downs, participating this way? Yeah, it's that recognition. It's exciting for those, it's getting excited for those little wins. Um, and just encouraging people to continue to bring up problems. You know, I think every person that brings up a problem, because even if it was a near miss, you know, you may, may have hurt, saved someone from getting hurt um, or a patient of delayed care, things like that. So again, I'm constantly thanking them for bringing them up, using that recognition and celebrating the wins. Even if it's a little, little improvement, that's a win. And we need to be excited about that and um, continue to work on them. So that's, that's what I do. And teams like to win, you know, that's uh, so, and there are so many teams in, or in healthcare or any, you know, any industry that they go back home without knowing they had, you know, won the game or lost the game. And uh, this, uh, I think there's a lot of energy when you, when you see the score, when you know what is driving the score and when you have an opportunity to influence the score. So imagine if you were to go to the, I don't know, the NBA, the seven games of the NBA final and there's no scoreboard, uh, that's, that would be a very boring, you know, uh, situation. You don't have a clue who is winning, just see people passing the ball from one end to the other. Right. And, and unfortunately, this is what many teams, many frontline teams feel. They don't, they don't have a clue if, uh, if they are, you know, uh, winning or losing and, uh, and what they can do about that. So. So I think this is what is driving a lot of energy in the teams in order to, to know if they are winning and what they can do. Yeah, uh, there's a game seven today, the LA Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. You don't want to say, um, you know, see the clock is going down. Like, oh, I feel like we're winning Yeah. when you're right? really down by 12. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I have another question here, not basketball related. Uh, sorry. Um, do you, um, when it comes to standard work, do you ever include actual photos that correspond with the steps in the standard work process so the operator can help visualize what they're doing? And then second question, have you ever recorded people doing the work so that they can go back and help review? 
Great. Yes. Um, photos. Absolutely. I think that's huge. I'm actually really big with photos. Um, I know the slide I had here did not have that, but it's very important for um, the visual part, especially when we're talking about elements, maybe in our computers or Epic, we use as our database for our charts and there's so much to look at, right? So we talk about click on something. So yes, pictures are key to be able to help direct people to know what you're looking at and what you're talking about. I have not done the recording. I think that's a great, great idea. I never thought of that. Um, I think recording is important, but also doing it in real time and understanding what the tr um, trainee is capturing and not capturing you don't want to lose that. That's the only thing with that recording. You're going to lose that touch. Um, so it's a good idea, but I think if you were to do that, you still need to follow up with that hands-on training to know what they're understanding and not understanding. Yeah. Um, we still have more questions here. So there's another question. Um, Jen and Didier, of course, feel free to jump in if you have thoughts to add. But Jen, as a manager, where did you struggle most when standing up this system and what helped you to overcome that? Standing up the system. Um, I think the biggest thing was getting the providers <laughs> to understand the importance of this. Um, that was the first, I mean, my staff, they, they followed or <laughs> they follow me and they, you know, they'll do what I ask. They're really great. Um, they understand the why, the importance they've been doing it. But when it was the time to like, okay, providers, you need to be joining with us. You're, we're a team too. We work together. It was, well, why do I need to do this? You guys just talk about lunches. No, we're not just talking about lunches. <laughs> we're talking about the patients coming in. It's more than that. Um, and so that was probably one of my biggest challenges, again, because I was not going to be blocking schedules, but still influencing them to come and join us. So just again, being consistent, rounding five minutes before our, our huddles, either our stand-ups or stand-downs and reminding them and asking them if they have a moment to join the board um, was the most important part. So just being consistent and bringing them and when they come, just um, influencing the, the value. So talking about it and I, what, and I celebrated and thank them when they did join us and when they gave us feedback, that was also that we consider that a win, you know, we got a provider that joined us and gave us some feedback and then they saw their value because they would hear staff talk, but then they would bring in their aspect in there. And then they were starting to realize how we all work together and how it's important. And once that starts clicking, then you start to see them showing up on their own, which is exciting. Um, but that was definitely my, my biggest challenge is how do I get my providers to see the value in this? Mm -hmm. um, but once they do, then they definitely grab on, which is great. I, and I think, Jen, it's also thinking about the professional safety and uh, you know the psychological safety. So we are not, we are focusing on the process and it's not, uh, there's nobody who is, you know, uh, uh, put on, on, on the, hotspot and uh, and uh, uh, in a difficult situation so it's so that everybody can feel free to speak up uh, yeah. is also a change management that uh, uh, that takes time uh, so uh, so you have a couple of people who are always talking they they always feel safe and uh, and uh, little by little other ones are going to trickle no trickle and and start to 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 be engaged and uh, and and we we'll see that it is safe to speak up and it is expected in fact yeah Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so let's see, maybe a final question here, because you, you talked about value and explaining the value to physicians or other stakeholders, maybe just elaborate as a, a good wrap up here. Um, how would you explain the value of using these visual boards and that stand, that stand down time? Somebody knew nothing about it and they say, well, you know, why, why should we do this? What are the gains and the benefits we would expect? Um, you're reflecting on their day in real time. You have the day currently, you just experienced it. You can talk about more details of what happened. Um, and that's key. I feel a lot of times people, again, you have that once a month meeting and you're talking to generalize. You're not talking specifics. So having specifics and documenting what experiments to change in very detailed is key. It's definitely key. 
Did he have any kind of final general? Well, I was going to ask another question to Jen. What would happen if you were to stop doing it? Uh, I don't, I would lose, you know, I would hope my staff would continue if I stop. <laughs> I think they would. I, I truly do feel they feel this, they, I truly hear them give, express the, the importance of this. So I feel even if I were to stop, they would continue. But um, that's, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. And um, I just feel so honored to have such a great team to work with that we grew together. And now looking back at where we're at, it's just, it's just great. So I would hate to lose all that. Yeah. So Mark, like, like we said before, so there's a white paper that is available. So you know, Jen and I you know, worked on this white paper. So it is available at uh, uh, valleycatcherllc.com. Uh, so please, you know, go there and uh, and uh, download the free white paper to to know more about the rest of the work that we we've done together with uh, many other people. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that in both the white paper and today in the webinar. There are a lot of comments coming through about um, this being an excellent presentation. They appreciate sharing the real examples instead of just talking about some of these ideas um, conceptually. So. Um, I know that went really well, but yeah, we had uh, 190 people on live and I really appreciate everybody who attended from, I counted what at the beginning, eight or nine different countries, um, at least this is all very applicable um, in uh, not just to healthcare, but different settings. So I'm glad we had such um, a great audience and final thought, I'm glad we had such great presenters today, Didier Rubino, Jen Ashley. Um, thank you both so much for doing this today. Thank you, Mark. Thank you.